Hello, and welcome to Makers.dev episode number 32. Chris, how was your camping trip? Uh, it was good. It was very hot, <laughs> so that was not so good. Yeah, it was hot and muggy, which means if you sat in the shade, then you were okay, but as soon as you started moving, you started sweating. <laughs> and so okay. uh, we did a lot of sitting. Uh, there was a lake there, which is one of the reasons we chose that place, and so we went in the lake a lot. Um, or I guess once, but for a long time. Um, and we did some fishing and some, we started to do boating and then it started raining really hard. <laughs> so that didn't happen. Um, but that's okay. I successfully rested. Uh, it took, you know, it took a day or two to prepare for it. And then we were gone for what, three and a half days and then a day or two to like recover from it. So that's basically all I got up to, but it was a good, it was a good week. Yeah. Wonderful. That sounds delightful. Even the, the hot parts, the, I'm reminded of the adage, like the, the worst day of golfing is better than the best day at work or something like that, <laughs> which I think is a quote from people who don't like their jobs as much as we do or their work. Probably. Uh, I'm not hearing that you got caught up in thinking about your computer the whole time you were there. It sounded like you were present and having fun, even though it was hot and uh, parts of it were rainy that you uh, were able to stay present. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, I successfully totally checked out of work, so that was good. Um, I, it's something I can't do in the house because everywhere I go, I have a computer in the house, you know, so I uh, <laughs> can work anywhere. And, uh, yeah, I did not bring my computer, and I brought my phone, but the cell reception was spotty. Mm. So, yeah, I did basically nothing. I talked to people. Love yeah. it. Wonderful. Yeah, building building relationships. I get stuck sometimes in these little meta games of work can be so rewarding, and it can be so nice to have these little micro games of like ooh, i can increase mrr ooh, i can build the system to do this thing and i forget what a small portion of life work is there's all kinds of other stuff around that there's family is so much more important there's this quote by uh jordan peterson he's talking about uh the the difficulty of understanding the, the complexity of the problem of uh the the gender pay gap because a lot of it can be explained by women in the workplace making much more rational choices of work-life balance because if you're a top-tier lawyer working 80 hours a week and you do that for 10 years is it the correct decision to keep doing that for another 10 years to just keep and just make that entirely your life or would it make sense after you have enough money to start investing in other places of your life like your family and peterson's point is there are very few people who are sustained by their careers after they're like 60 and the place where most often most people get more enjoyment is from friends and family and relationships and that's the sort of thing that you need to start building and uh continue nurturing while you're still in that work phase so uh cool i think if anything we should be having more weekends like this of uh zero work we, we could be uh makers of human relationships dot dev uh and that would be holistically probably a, a more fulfilling experience yeah uh yeah that's an, I, I agree about relationships um it's it's difficult to um like kind of overstate how important they are i think especially later in life like you said but even now you know like we have we have a pretty good group of friends here who you know like they can we can call them and they can watch our kids you know like I had to go to the hospital once and we called one of them and, you know, she was over here in like 20 minutes mm. and, you know, to, to watch the kids. And, um, it's, yeah, it's, it's really nice to have people like that. So love it. I'm working really hard to build that for myself. Um, trying to keep family close. Uh, all right. Enough of the mushy gushy. <laughs> Let's talk about work again. <laughs> what's your, what's your, uh, plan for this next week? What do you think you're going to get up to? Yeah. So, um, I have, 
some more prep to do for my master's. Um, I continued, so I found a really uh, good program for linear algebra, catching myself up with that. Um, it's, you know, sort of directed towards data science. Um, and that puts me back on the path for, like, like I want to, you know, uh, publish basically what I'm working on and then have links to these resources and kind of like a self, you know, like directed plan um, so that anyone can follow it. But also just as like a record of what I've done, um, it's useful for myself looking back. It's useful because when you teach something, we talked about this before, when you teach something, you learn it better. Um, and also uh, next year, um, so after a year of school, I'm going to try to get, you know, probably a summer kind of internship thing in, in AI. And it'll be really helpful to point to something and say, I learned all the math. Look, here's, you know, what I did. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm kind of back on that. Uh, I'm going to plan for releasing something this week that is like, you know, you can follow along my study plan basically as I find these resources. Mm-hmm. So I'm doing that. Um, I'm also, I'm no longer first in the cattle competition. Someone beat me by quite a bit. And so I have to go back and uh, figure out what they did. And so uh, I can do better. So I'm going to do some more Kaggle stuff. Um, and uh, we have some family in town also. And so that will take up some more of the time. Um, so yeah, that's, that's, that's my week. For the math.ai, I love that idea. We, we had talked about that, I think, in the last episode of what a fantastic framework that is to just be leaving breadcrumbs for yourself because you know even if the only thing you did was be taking notes and make it more digestible and record a video that was just for yourself i think you would benefit from that and while we're at it might as well make a product out of it and i'm curious where you've landed on what that's gonna look like is this a series of blog posts or is this one giant blog post or is this a collection of videos that then get sent out into tweets or is it a newsletter or is it some combination of these things how do you think you're gonna physically do this yeah i'm not sure my first thought was to have a weekly newsletter as i'm going through the summer doing it um but and then you know you suggested that could just be a perennial thing like you sign up from the beginning of that whenever you want which i think is a good idea Um, but i also want the information just available somehow um so i don't know exactly what the split is I don't know if I'm going to be doing videos or just links to, to courses, uh, or like other people's courses, you know? Um, so yeah, part of my work this week is to figure out what I can do, one that's sustainable that I can do over mm-hmm. the entire summer. Um, and then two would be a good reflection of like what I did and uh, would help other people. Um, so I don't know if you have thoughts about that. I'm open to hearing them. I do. The thought occurred that I, I loved how you set up your build assassin a week project where it was mm. every step you consolidated it down and made a little video and i don't know how long the editing took in that uh but it, it looked incredibly polished you put much more work into that than i usually put into my short twitter <laughs> videos it was like cut and looked nice and felt like there was a natural flow to it if that if if you feel like that sort of video would work for the type of consolidation you're doing uh for math in particular like i think part of the reason khan academy was so successful is that I don't think mathematicians like recording video. And Sal Khan comes in and he's like, hey, I'm going to teach you these complicated things in math that usually you can only learn from a textbook, but I'm going to teach it to you through video. And then boom, he, he <laughs> starts Khan Academy. And so I think the thing that I would be looking for, like, here's another way to frame that. I think the higher fidelity the medium that, easier it is to learn from text is very low fidelity uh text has some advantages in that you can sort of like skip back and forth and you get a high level overview and it's it's organized hierarchically and you can jump around in that 
And I think audio, you get a lot more information than you do video. I love audiobooks, especially for the first pass through text, because there's, especially if it's read by the author, there's a lot of meaning conveyed through how they're saying the words. And by that same token, video is higher fidelity, fidelity than audio. Like, I learn so much from watching the videos of you making Assassin a week that I don't think you intended to teach me. It's these little things of like, oh, he used a keyboard shortcut there, and I didn't know you could use a keyboard shortcut there. There are things that you wouldn't have thought of that, like, if you were writing a blog post, you wouldn't have included, like, oh, by the way, you can uh, use a keyboard shortcut to, to go through here. Um, and I think you're particularly well-suited for the medium of video. You've got a setup that, you know, linear algebra AI teachers don't have. So that's a that's an unfair advantage that you have in this space. That's the content that I would be excited to see from this. I would love to see the video series, you know, learn uh, AI math in a week that was that same sort of short video. And then once you have that, like, I think I, think I would start with the core of, it's short videos. That's the core product. And then from that, you can spin off, okay, maybe each one of those videos has an associated blog post. And now you're also playing this SEO game. Uh, and you can include the video in the uh, OG uh, open graph meta tags yeah. for the top. So for maximum uh, Googleage and social media stuff. Uh, and then as a layer on top of that, that can also be a perennial uh, email list where it's like, hey, you can, if you want to, just browse all these articles right now and, and binge them. Or if you give me your email address, I'll drip them to you and I'll send you one like every three days. Uh, that's, I think that's what I would want. And I, I think that's also what would make the most sense with your skill set. Yeah, that, that's a, a really interesting point. For some reason, I didn't really think of it that way. Um, so the kind of three general resources I found were there, there's linear algebra, you know, college courses online, which are like mm -hmm. hour long lectures and there's 20 of them. Um, there are, so three blue, one brown is often pointed to. He has an amazing linear yeah. algebra uh, course, but it's still, it's a little theoretical. It's not specific for data science and it's still actually a little long. He goes into really advanced topics that you actually don't need for most data science stuff. Um, and then the one I'm watching now going through is uh, by the Imperial Imperial College of London. Um, I think that's right. Um, and it's uh, it's edited really tightly, but the videos are still like five, six, seven minutes long. Um, and every time I watch one, I say, you know, I think to myself, there's there's a one minute version of this that could be created. Um, yeah. So maybe I make the one minute version of those videos, right? And then uh, do, you know, 20 of them, you know, two a day or something for yeah. a week. And um, uh, that's a very interesting idea. So maybe, so I think I will, yeah, I'll, I think I'll, after this call, I'll uh, probably outline that and see what that might look like. Uh, I think cool. that's a neat idea. Yeah. I'm so excited. Wonderful. This also plays into the philosophy that I have of the reason why I'm making clips.marketing marketing is shorter, more directed content plays better in the world that we live in than longer form content. If we were doing this 20 years ago, like, I don't know. It, first of all, it would be sort of infeasible to do this if you were just, like, you should just study it for yourself and not worry about trying to publish it. Uh, but if you were going to publish it, it would look much more like, I don't know, you mail people DVDs. And then if you're mailing them a DVD, it, need, it needs to be that long form content. It needs to be two hour lectures. And that's not the game that we're playing now. The game we're playing now is like this... Uh, Content teaching you linear algebra is sort of competing with TikTok. And TikToks are just, my gosh, five seconds, you better be entertained or, or <laughs> you're going to go on to the next TikTok. Uh, so, and also plays through like the Google angle of if I'm, if I'm Googling a question that I have on, it, it's a math question involved in AI, I'm probably going to search for a term 
that you could make a video that's just a 60-second a answer to that specific problem that I'm having right there. Whereas it sounds like if I if I search that in, in a three three blue, one brown, four, four brown, one blue. Three blue, one brown? Yeah, I think Three right. blue, one brown, yes. And a three blue, one brown video came up. That's going to teach me the theory behind it, which is nice, but that's not solving my problem. Like, I'm going to want, okay, I'm using PyTorch, and I'm trying to solve this. Like, this is the error I'm having, and I don't understand the thing behind this. I just need a 30-second explanation of the theory behind this, and then I need the other 30 seconds to be, here's exactly the, the code that you write in. Uh, it's it's a it's a that that game of clips and smaller more encapsulated content i think is the game for how the world's media consumption looks right now yeah and i think as as i am looking for resources myself to learn it i find that missing and so um mm. sounds like something that someone should create <laughs> like <laughs> sure like me. sounds like it does <laughs> right um cool i'm excited about that then uh how about you what'd you get up to this week I also had some great time connecting with family. I had uh, my best friend from college and his girlfriend came into town for a wedding, and it was just so much fun. Uh, my girlfriend Sarah was there and played a bunch of board games and danced at the wedding. And uh, I have this project I do at weddings now where I try to get uh, videos from all of the people in attendance. So I'll like go up to each table and be like, hey, I have this project I'm working on. Uh, if you'd like to record a short video for the bride and groom, uh, that will get delivered to them on their anniversary up to 25 anniversaries in the future. Uh, I'll record that video for you and I bring a little microphone and they record it and it's it's delight. And I get to meet like everyone at the wedding then. It's, it's a lot of fun. Uh, so I did that and then like danced and hung out with people and uh, saw some friends from college that I hadn't seen in forever. Uh, it, was a, it was a great time. Um, and on the work end, I have pushed forward. This, this is the main thing I want to talk to you about today. I had a call with Tim Francis of greatassistant.com. Uh, and I was incredibly hopeful for this call because my understanding of Great Assistant was like, this is an agency where they vet the people already and they do training of the assistant and they also help train you because that's a problem of like, if this is your first time hiring an assistant, you don't know how to interact with an assistant. They they help and coach you and figure out jobs that the assistant can be doing. So I was thinking like, oh, perfect. I'm, I'm not even gonna have to do the legwork of uh, going to recruit a person. So I did some work in figuring out all the different jobs that I would want an assistant to do to get started and, uh, hopped on the call and, uh, Tim is in Austin. So we had fun <laughs> ragging on Texas of like how hot and humid it is. Uh, and then we got into it and I read him off my list of things. Uh, so hopeful that he was going to be like, Oh great. Like I have the person ready for you who, who's going to get going. And he was like, Hmm, okay, interesting. What sorts of like work specific things do you have? And I was like, well, uh, you know, I, I have customer support emails. That's a thing, but at maximum, I'm only really getting two a day. So more of the thing that I'm looking for is for someone to help me define the SOP and define the processes and like help me bootstrap like a, uh, system that then neither of us have to be doing customer support emails. It goes up to someone support shepherd where I'm only paying them $4 an hour or something. Uh, that would be ideal. And then, you know, I could think if this was someone with a, a little bit of a marketing background, it'd be fun if they proposed their own projects and they were like, Hey, you know, I could be doing cold outrage to these people and Oh, great. Okay. Go off and, and do your own project. That sounds great. And, uh, rewinding a little bit, most of the projects that I gave of things that I want them to be working on now are like very, uh, bottom of Maslow's hierarchy of needs, like research projects that I would be spending my time on that I would rather spend money on and then spend the time I was going to spend on that 
doing these high level Maslow hierarchy of needs like development work. So that was things like I'm going on a trip to Croatia and Rome in a couple of months. And uh, I certainly could spend like six hours researching different things to do there based on my criteria of how to do it. And instead, I would love to pay for eight hours of someone else's time to go. And I just give them this high level, like, here are the sorts of things I'm looking for and uh, propose some fun things to do. And I had, you know, all kinds of different things like that that I was proposing of things I want an assistant to get done of like travel planning and like figuring out how to find this very specific brand of T-shirt that I uh, think is discontinued and like uh, figuring out a way to get rid, help my parents get rid of a bunch of old stuff that they have in one of the rooms of their house. If there was just like a service that could come and bring it, Uh, finding uh, restaurants that would be good for date night for Sarah and I, finding options for a personal chef, uh, finding ways to... Uh, or, or like proposing different systems of ways where I could get groceries delivered directly to my fridge and pantry instead of right outside my door, mm-hmm. because that would save me like, I don't know, uh, like 20 minutes. minutes every week. <laughs> yeah. But, but the cognitively, just if I don't right. have to ever think about groceries again, it, it, the, the cost is much higher than that. Uh, and you know, there's 10 other things like this that are just sort of all over the place of like problems in my life that I I need someone who it doesn't make sense for me to outsource this with software. This is like a research project I need human intelligence for. So I get done with explaining this to Tim and uh, he's silent for a few seconds and I'm like, Oh, this is not, this is not the reaction I wanted. <laughs> and he's like, you know, Christian, I hate to say it, but I, this is not a good fit for you. And I was like, all right, I appreciate your honesty. Uh, please tell me more. And here's, Based on his explanation, here's what Great Assistant is and why I think it would be very valuable for a person who's not me. His explanation of Great Assistant is if you have a business that's very focused on like, this is the thing that we do, this is our product, this is a system that we do that makes us more money, and we just need to grease more people through this pipeline. That sounded gross. Uh and it's not, we can't just have an SOP and have uh, an assistant overseas to it because it needs some creativity sometimes. And an example that he gave was if you figure out that, oh man, going to conferences is the way that I uh, grow this business. And like, I personally am the, he had this term called surgeon in the room. I, I have this high level of skill where I need to be the person at the conference because I have the knowledge of the business and I have the connections and I'm, I, I need to be the boots on the ground to get there. But I can have my surgical nurse in this analogy be the person who is booking flights and booking hotels and doing the minutia of like getting people on a schedule. Uh, Same sort of thing if I figure out the thing to do is to get on podcasts. He gave the example of you're the surgeon in the room and making the connections to like reach out to people and say, hey, I'm Christian and I have this product and I'd love to be on your show. And then you can pass off to your assistant okay, you know, do this background work. I'd like to know, uh, is it okay if I pitch my product on there and, uh, you know, research these three things about this person so that I know what to talk about and uh, make sure, you know, put in this spreadsheet how many listeners this podcast has so I can calibrate so that, you know, 10 minutes before I just look at this document that my assistant uh, gave to me and I'm, I'm ready to go on the show. And he made the point of uh, that he... It, it sounded like I was in this position where I had uh, nine different projects going on. <laughs> and yeah. uh, I didn't say anything at the time, but he drastically underestimated the number of things I have going on. <laughs> but he was like, I, I used to be like that. I used to have nine projects going on. And uh, I've, I've got that focus now to like two. 
and they're the two things that make the most money and I think he's making tons of money. I think he's incredibly successful. He's like one of the one of the people in this space. And the advice he was giving me is like, you need to focus, dude, because if you focus and just double down and like focus on file inbox uh, and not worry about all this other stuff you're doing, uh, you could be making so much more money. He, he phrased it as getting past the uh, $250,000 a year ceiling. And I agree with him. I agree that I could be making much more money if I was focusing. And I don't want to. <laughs> That's not the thing I want to do. I feel so much more fulfilled in life when I'm in this thing of just jumping around all kinds of different projects. Um, and that's that's the assistant that I want. I want an assistant who's going to be able to follow me all around that and be able to jump between different things. And I found myself thinking while he was explaining this that, like, with my particular skill set, if I found myself in a position where I had systems where I needed to really double down on them, like, you know, booking flights... He was framing it as this is this is something that's very difficult to have an SOP for. This is something that's very difficult to, you know, to give to a $4 an hour overseas person because of how complicated the process of booking a flight is. And I disagree with him because I feel like if I had the problem, if I if I found myself in a position where I was like booking a flight every month, I would write a program to find the best flight for me and just make it like three clicks that I could book the flight. That's not a category of problem that I want to be giving to a person. That's part of my unique skill set is anything anything below this threshold of complexity. If if it's straightforward enough that I feel like I could give it to one of the great assistant assistants, that threshold is automated for me. And I've done this with so many things of like categorizing photos and like uh, doing taxes and the, the quarterly, uh, oh, what is it, 10... I forgot the name of the quarterly report form, but that, and, and uh, monthly payments that I have to give to the government. Like I wrote programs to go and interact with those things. And so I just go through and I just click, 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 and then it's done. Uh, that's not what I need a human for. I have computers to do that sort of work for me. Uh, the, the person I'm looking for is someone who can be much more creative and uh, be one of the people coming up with the SOPs or one of the people coming up with the processes that then get automated to either a much less expensive person or uh, some software. So that's the current stage in my hunt for a personal assistant. I think the great assistant approach is completely valid. And I think Tim Francis's advice of focusing is very good advice and I think would be making me a lot more money. And I have decided that that's not what I want to do. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah. So you said a lot of interesting things. Um, I'll digest some of them. So first of all, um, yes, absolutely. You could focus and make more money. Um, I could have done the same thing. So we're kind of in a similar position. I could have doubled down on consulting. I could have doubled my rates easily, I think. Um, and it would have taken a little more work to get the, the work at double the rates, but I could have, and then I could have been consulting, um, and making a whole bunch of money, you know, billing per hour. Um, I didn't want to do that. So instead I took a big step back and I'm going to get a master's, which is, you know, completely unnecessary really for, um, what I'm doing. Um, so I think we're sort of similar in that way. We, we, we have ways that we can make money, uh, but we're not. Um, and that's a very interesting position to be in. Um, from an assistant perspective, the whole time you kept describing what you wanted. So first of all, you called it before an executive assistant and not a personal assistant, which yes. is, I think more of what you want. Um, I, so I just watched the movie. I watched it before, but I recently watched the movie Devil Wars Prada again. Um, cool. Because it's a good movie, but also because, you know, it was on, whatever. Um, and that's kind of the assistant you want. So the assistants in the Devil Wars Prada are able to do things that, you know, only people can do and you you can outsource, right? Mm. Um, 
they are you know kind of tenacious in a way that they they in that in that movie it's because they want to you know move up in the world you know in that kind of executive world they want to impress the person that they're uh, working for um they want to you know there's lots of reasons why they're doing that but i think you could find that person for you the problem is it's going to take a while and Mm. i think you're gonna have to pay them more than you know you might want to um that's kind of the feeling i get uh yeah it so it's often said that hiring is kind of the hardest part of you know, running a business. And I think this is one of those cases where you might have to spend 50% of your time for a month or something to mm-hmm. find the person you want. Um, but I think the person's out there. Um, but yeah, it's probably not just this, you know, person you could slot into a normal personal assistant role. Um, mm-hmm. That's the sense that I get. The devil wears Prada is a perfect analogy. I would love to not be as narcissistic or uh, <laughs> right. mean. as <laughs> Yeah, um, don't look to it as a positive example, but it's yeah, an no. example, right? <laughs> but that, that sort of assistant would be great, uh, and I would treat them much better than that. Uh, I'm reminded also of, uh, have you seen Cruella, the new Disney film from Cruella's no, perspective? No. Same sort of dynamic. Uh, the, a, a part of the film, Cruella, is that sort of Devil Wears product assistant for the Baroness, who mm. uh, it, it's a very similar dynamic. And yeah, it's the sort of person where you can just sort of say, you know, here's this, here's a goal figure out how to get there or like propose ways for me to get there. I'm, in, in Cruella, there's this specific scene where uh, the Baroness is trying to figure out what the next new look is going to be for the spring season, which is uh, the big show that they're going to do. And she has something like a dozen designers that are all coming up with their own individual look. And then uh, after they're done, she puts these unreasonable demands on them. Like you got to finish this dress by tonight at midnight or something. And then she comes in and, uh, judges them and picks like her three favorites from that goals <laughs> like the the i wouldn't want the unreasonable expectation part but i i like that sort of dynamic of you can't make a program to design a dress that's a very complicated human task uh and will continue to be for a very long time you can you can use software to like augment those tools i would want my designers in this analogy to be very familiar with the, what the automation tools were and uh, maybe be able to design things in VR and uh, not have to use fabric. Like that'd be really cool. But the idea that like I I want to be I want to be choosing the direction. I want to be pointing the ship and like here's the arbitrary task that we're trying to get done. Give me a bunch of options for this, and then I want to pick the best one. And then eventually I want to get to the point where like in the film something that happened was Cruella. Uh, Cruella. It started becoming very clear that her talent was much higher than any of these other designers. And so the Baroness started trusting her with more and more decisions of like, uh, well, what do you think is the best option? <laughs> and Gorilla's taste was uh, better in some cases than the than the Baroness's was. Uh, and that eventually led to the Baroness's downfall. Uh, but I'm spoiling the film. It's a very good film. Uh, parts of it are... I had issues with the entire film, but parts of it were very good. <laughs> in this analogy, it's, it's good. Um, I wanted to say also that I was affirmed by tim francis in that like i'm i am moving in the right direction he said a few things that resonated with me of like it is important to move past the personal productivity stage there's only so far that you can push this james clear atomic habits or gtd thing to of how much you can get done and the way to scale after that is with a personal assistant um and i think that's sort of leaving on the table the power of automation that you can have like there's a there you can take a one-man show really far in in 2021 
you can run your entire business off of it. You can just hire services that are uh, doing these things for you. But uh, I, I would like to get to the point where I'm able to have this Devil Wears product Cruella assistant to be taking over more of the higher level duties of uh, steering the ship so that I can be focused more on the direction. So I, I feel affirmed and uh, I agree with you that finding the person is going to be the tricky task and uh, it's going to be more expensive, uh, much more than a $4 an hour uh, overseas person. And that's what I think I want. So I feel like I'm aimed in the right direction and it feels like I've made progress. Yeah. Uh, so I was reminded, I was looking up while you were talking. Um, so when microconf went online or mm -hmm. went there, did their um, online community or whatever, their Slack community, and then they hired Tracy Osborne. And um, that was a case where, so she was an entrepreneur in her own right, but wanted to step back from the business side and do this community management side. And mm -hmm. so like, she was like, overqualified for the position i think um but wanted this kind of role at this particular time and mm. i think that is the kind of person that you want someone who sort of has done this before but at mm. this particular time in their life you know wants to do kind of assistant stuff i think that would be like the perfect fit the problem yeah. is you have to find that person at exactly the right time <laughs> um and so yeah, it's gonna be tricky i think uh tricky to find but um worth it uh, the, the the other option is find someone who you know is is qualified but doesn't know it yet and then you can train them um mm. that's the other that's the other way but then that requires you know more training and stuff um yeah i think i want a mom <laughs> i think i want someone who like just had kids and so needs a flexible thing and and had a successful career before this and is looking for something to like make a little extra money uh and like a fun project to do uh and it would be so great for me if this person was overqualified and they like, you know, when given a task of, you know, solve this very complicated arbitrary problem of figure out a way that I could get groceries delivered to my fridge and pantry, that they would just have a blast with that. And it, it would be like a fun intellectual challenge. Yeah. Uh, and, so, you know, the, the one of the things, one of the advantages I think I have is there are no emergencies in my business. There, there are no emergencies in things that this person would need to be doing. So it, I... I I can feel very comfortable hiring people that have a need for very flexible working schedules. Uh, I'm aiming for something like 10 hours a week to start. And if you wanted to do all of those 10 hours on a Saturday morning, uh, great, fine. <laughs> that, that, that works out perfectly for me. If you want to do like a half an hour twice a day, every, every weekday, uh, like, yeah, great. That would also work for me. The the interaction I want to be having with this person is like, I push things onto a queue and I sort of prioritize them of like, I, I prefer if you push this project forward first, but if there's one that you're more interested in pushing forward, like great, there are no emergencies. Uh, then they can just like pop on there and take one off the queue and uh, push it forward. So I'm hopeful. I think, I think that person exists. I feel like I know several people who would fit that role and like, maybe it would have worked if I found them at just the right time. Uh, so I, I feel like there are more people out there like that. Yeah. So I can tell you when just the right time is um, because yep. <laughs> so my wife uh, is she used to be a software developer and then a project manager and then we had kids and she wanted to be a stay at home mom. So that's what she did. Uh, now our youngest is going to kindergarten in the fall. 
And she's like, maybe I should do something for the four to six hours per weekday that I'm not going to have any kids in the house. Um, She would not be a good fit for this personal assistant thing because she doesn't like (laughs) making phone calls. (laughs) Yes, that that would also be sort of weird between us. Like, if if I'm complaining about my assistant, you're like, that's my wife. That's right. That's right. Don't Um, say that about her. Yeah. uh, She she like doesn't make phone calls and stuff like that. But anyway. you could find someone who was like a project manager, then had kids, and now their kids mm. are going to kindergarten, and um, that would be probably the perfect fit. Uh, yeah. Cool. Noted. I wonder if I could find. I'm going to reach out to my personal network first, and in expanding that, I would love to figure out how to have a Facebook ad that mm. was somehow targeting mothers whose kids had just gone to kindergarten. <laughs> like, <laughs> that's uh, how interesting. Okay. So, I guess so just I, like oh I I, I kind of know how you could do that because um all <laughs> I think Facebook allows you to do this all of the uh, people I know they when their kids start going to the school around here they join a Facebook group which is like for that school so mm. you could look for people who just joined that Facebook group oh. and then target them in September and say oh. do you want to work from ten to two <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh perfect yeah. yeah that's a fantastic idea huh. Oh, I love that. Okay, cool. Noted. <laughs> huh. Yeah, that feels that feels very good. Uh and September feels cushy of like if I can't find someone just in my immediate network, I feel like that's it's going to be around September when I'm, where I'm trying to expand that and uh if I wanted to push that to Facebook ads. Yeah, perfect. That that sounds really good. Uh neat. That, that's all I have to say about personal assistance. Uh I have two other things I want to talk about. Um the first one is just sort of a, a quick note that uh, I'm interested in your hot take on. Um, I found in my parents' house this stack of old feedback forms that my dad had in his medical office. And it's this little form that he had right at the door as you're going off that has numbers one through five. And it says, how was your experience today? If you have any comments right below. And people would circle a number like, ah, it was five. It was excellent. And they would say like, ah, great service. And it was super fast. And uh, like one out of a hundred of them is like a two. And it's like, ah, the doctor was mean to me. (laughs) Um, And my dad treasured these. He made all sorts of graphs and he like figured out the percentages and did trend lines of how the uh, feedback was uh, trending and uh, has... So uh, this this is an office that he had for, I think, something like 12 years. So he had 12 years of all these feedback forms. And I found them by the fireplace, which I take to mean, like, this is stuff to be burned. Because uh, he had a bunch of other stuff there of, like, patient-sensitive data to, to destroy. Um, and I had an idea. Because a thing that I've been wanting to do for a while, I have a one box left that's, like, my last... Uh, tied to this world of like physical paper stuff and uh, outstanding project I had was I want to get all of that scanned in and they have these really really good scanners now they're like $300 and they just chew through paper you just slot them in the top you put a big huge stack and it just goes my gosh it's like three pages a second it's nuts and it does the color correcting and it automatically rotates it the correct way and it can it can do OCR on it if you want and it, it can do like uh, 600 uh, DPI. It's the scanners have gotten so good, and so I realized Father's Day was coming up. Uh, it's on the 20th of this month, and I connected these three pieces of information and thought, how cool would it be if I scanned in all of these patient feedback forms for my dad, and then surprised him on Father's Day 
by starting to text him one of them every day. <laughs> so every day he gets this nice little reminder of like, ah, oh, I did a good job 10 years ago. <laughs> like this is a person who was satisfied by the job I did. Uh, and I think it would be a, a fun little thing for him to do. So uh, I did it. I, I talked to my brother about this project. Uh, we were talking earlier about like hiring my brother to do stuff. So I've, I found a few opportunities like this for him to help me. But uh, I was like, hey, you know, if you don't have an idea for something to get her dad for Father's Day, like you, you can get co-creator credit on this project if you uh, help me scan this stuff in. And uh, he was like, yeah, of course. And, you know, an hour an hour or two later, he had scanned in this massive stack, it, just a testament to the scanner uh, and also my brother's competence, uh, but mostly the scanner uh, of just <laughs> how great this process is. So, and they were all perfect. It was like cropped the right way and correctly rotated and... Uh, and something like 20,000 of these uh, contact forms. So is that right? Now it's closer to 2,000. It's closer to 2,000. Um, okay. And so uh, I spun up a little Firebase app and uh, uploaded all of them to Google Cloud Storage and uh, made a little Twilio bot. And now it's queued to uh, at whatever interval I decide on. I think like maybe twice a day because there's so many of them. Uh, my dad's going to get a text of like a, a cool comment feedback form. And this project in particular was really good because this is the, the code that I wrote here directly sets me up for on Clipstop marketing, having API calls on a timer. There were a few things I had to figure out of like how exactly do cron jobs work in Firebase and like, what's my model of how to do this. And I have that now I have a template for exactly how I'm going to do that. Uh, and what a fantastic personalized gift for father's day. <laughs> like no one else in the world could have given him. Uh, so I feel pretty proud about that. Uh, that's it. I, uh, I'm, I'm curious on your thoughts on that project as a whole. Yeah. Um, so that's neat. Uh, if he was going to burn them, like it, does he want to see them again? I, I guess, uh, hopefully he does. <laughs> Maybe not. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. Yeah, I'm uh, taking a risk. That's... The first one was a downer. Um, <laughs> the second thing is, uh, I thought you were going to ask like, you know, is, is there a way to, that this could be a business? Um, which there totally is. Uh, Ikea has this thing where they have a stand in it and you press like a, a smiley face or a not smiley face or like a whatever. Mm. And they have different paper prompts they put in there. Like how was the line today or whatever. Oh, um, interesting. And so that's like, you know, and then you just hit the button on your way out. Um, and I assume they use that for, I don't know, employee compensation or something. I don't know what they use it for. Um, yeah, so that's interesting. Uh, I also love that you were able to make your father something for Father's Day while also, you know, uh, expanding your programming knowledge. I think that's really uh, <laughs> neat. I have I have done things like that before also. Um, not with 2,000 sheets of paper, but yeah. Um, I don't know. O overall, it's a neat project. Yeah. Cool. Thanks. Yeah. That's cool. <laughs> <laughs> One last thing I wanted to talk to you about uh, in doing this, I started a new project, which I haven't done for a while. And so was touching uh templating parts of code that i uh i don't usually touch but i realized like that because i've been working more on specific projects because i've been like pushing forward clipstop marketing and made that code base like my my most up-to-date way of the standard way that i do things um i realized in starting a new project that a lot of the things that I'd done in Clipstop Marketing, I hadn't fed back into my template system of how I start a new project. And so I was doing some of that work this morning, but it got me thinking, I'm very curious about other people's process for starting new projects. And I know someone 
who has a very similar work style to me. <laughs> so I'm sure you've also thought about this. Uh, what does your process look like for starting a new project? Do you have a template? Do you, do you start with Rails? Is it Rails new or Rails create? It's been a Rails while new. since I've done Rails. Yep. Rails new. Yeah. Uh, do you start with that and, and modify files? Do you have like one directory of all your standard go-to files? What, what does that look like for you if you're starting a new project today? Yeah, so it depends. Um, if I'm, My favorite tech stack right now is Rails with React on top. Um, and it's kind of a specific setup of Rails with React on top. And so the way I've been doing it, um, I don't keep a special GitHub repository for the template, but the first, you know, few commits of any project are always basically whatever I did last time, plus a couple other things that I want to change. And so I'll usually go back to whatever the last project was that I started and go to the first few commits, find, you know, just before I do something project specific and then pull that commit down as the template. Um, and so... Yeah, so it has things like, you know, it's basically like you do Rails new and then you do create React app new um, or, you know, I've been using Next.js a little bit. Um, and then there's always like configuration things that I just change all, you know, the same thing for all the time. So for Rails, like off the top of my head, it's switch to Postgres instead of SQLite. Mm. It is uh, Rails has this uh, thing where um, belongs to are required by default, which I don't like at all. And so mm. <laughs> there's I have this setting that turns it off. Um, and there's, you know, half a dozen things like that. Um, so I do that. And then I also, like, I turn off turbo links, and then I put React in, and then I have it all, like, the directory set up the way I want it to. Um, and so that is just, I have reused that for the last, I don't know, dozen projects I've used. And so now, like, the first one or two commits of any project are that template plus whatever couple changes I wanted to it. Um hmm. So, yeah, if I was going to start a new project today, I'd go back to the last project I started, whatever that is in my Git history, and I would go to, like, the probably the second or third commit and pull that down. That's very interesting going off of Git. I like that a lot. I, I'm confused on technically what's happening there. So you're you're pulling a specific commit. What? I, I, download, I download it not as a Git repository, but just as a zip file. And okay. then I use that as the initial commit to my new repository. Gotcha. What would happen if Rails had made an update in the way that they do a file in in Rails new? Are you now ignoring those new updates? Yeah. So every couple years, you know, maybe every two years or so, I will basically start over. Um, And so I do Rails new, create React up new, you know, and then I kind of, I can use like my old template to like remember what I did, you know, and then do that. But yeah, so for version changes, for minor version changes, so that's what the first couple commits are. For minor version changes, it's like, you know, going through the Rails update process or the React Mm -hmm. update process. For really big major changes, I'll just scrap it and start over. Cool. Okay, cool. That's a a problem that I'm running into in my current system. I have a, uh, uh, I have a template that I'll rsync into the current directory. Uh, my stack right now just looks like either a next app if it's going to be complicated with routes uh, or just a create react app if it's like a, a, a single page app. And so I'll run I'll run create react app or next init or something. I always have to Google what the next how to make a new, <laughs> a new next project. And then I have a template that I rsync that has like, these are views that I know I'll need. Uh, these are libraries that I know I'll need. Um, and so that's, that's like rsyncing the directory structure of, I have a folder for executables, uh, to like run and build and all that. And then I will add a bunch of packages and then, uh, for the components that I reuse, 
I have those hard linked. So I have, I have like one project that's like, here's my project of things that I reuse of components. And I could make my own libraries, but I'm making changes often enough to them that that would sort of be tedious if I'm mm -hmm. having to manage my own packages. So I, and it's all things stored on my local hard drive. Uh, so there's, there's components like editable text is something I use all the time. It's like, okay, I need a piece of text that uh, is in the same sort of format as Trello where you can just click on the text and, oh my gosh, actually it was an input the whole time and I can just change it right there and then I click off of it and um, it, it is uh, it has been edited. So I only have, I think, one copy of that file on my computer that lives in my template directory and that's mm. in Git. And then for every additional project I make that uses that file, I hard link it within the project. So wherever I am, if I'm, if I'm in some sort of a different child project and I realized, oh, it'd be great if this editable text component had this command line option or had this, had this uh, 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 props right. option. I edit the one in the local Git repository and then that edits the hard link in the template directory. And then the next time I go into any other project, it has the exact same change uh, that then I need to commit into it separately, uh, which feels like a reasonable way to do that sort of thing. Uh, I think that's the kind of thing that works great for your own projects. Um, I've done that kind of thing in Teams before, and it goes off the rails real fast because <laughs> what I'm thinking of is, well, first of all, anyone can edit, edit it. So anyone from any project can edit your stuff, which is mm -hmm. rough. Um, and then the other one is we did that before. And like if one project has to be on some version of, in, in this case, is React, and another one has to be on another version, and then you edit the thing to use a new feature from new React, Mm. then you can't use it on the old React anymore, but yep. you can't update it because of this other dependency. Yep. So that gets really hairy really fast. But um, when you're in charge of everything, you can just say, I'm updating all my React at once, you know? Yeah. So um, that matters less. But um, yeah. What's the solution? Should I publish this as a package on NPM? Is that the way to do this? So in that case, the one I'm thinking about specifically, they had... so. We've tried several. We tried several things. We tried submodules, which did not work. Don't do them. Um, we, <laughs> there's probably a case for them, but it didn't work. Um, the thing that ended up working was we made a new Git repository that was just for. There, there was a specific thing we needed changed in a dependency for a specific version of React, mm -hmm. if I'm remembering right. And so we just made a Git repository just for that, and then everything else was linked off the, well, the trunk, uh, like the master of the the main like open source repository. Um, as much as possible, like, uh, I've seen this several times as much as possible. Like I always try to not make any changes to libraries, mm -hmm. um, unless you like actually, you know, like get it merged back into the master, because as soon as you do that, then you are now responsible for maintaining that version of that library forever. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, yeah, as much as possible, I try to use like just off the shelf libraries that you can just mm -hmm. hook in. Yeah. For your own personal projects, how do you handle things in the category of i'm sure you have your own way that you like doing i don't know authentication or i guess you, mm -hmm. you might just use device for that but uh, your, your own way of handling like keyboard shortcuts or your own way of uh you know you you have your view set up in just the right way and you have your tailwind installation and you have your template of like what the shell of the app looks like uh it sounds like that would be included in one of your first few commits that then when you're cloning the repo just downloading at, at that snapshot uh that you get that all for free but then how would you handle oh i would actually like this thing to have a transition on it when i click on this thing in the menu uh I, from the way you described it it sounds like when you if, if you wanted to change that in that project 
you're only changing that in that project and it wouldn't affect anything upstream, but it would affect things downstream. Is that right? Yes. Yeah, that's exactly how it works because I don't, the way I work, I don't want to change things that I did in the past because I may not touch them for another year or something. Yeah. And then, so I, I've done that before. Actually, my personal blog is linked to something that I changed later. And now I can't edit that without like redoing a whole bunch of stuff. So I just haven't <laughs> edited it for a while. So <laughs> at some point I need to go back and like change it all. So yeah, so anything in the past is not linked at all to anything I do in the future. Um, and that's just that's just how I work. That's a fair the way other to thing I, I think I got the thing I did in that sort of situation, I'll, I'll say my thought really quick and then I'll, I'll yeah, no be done. Uh, the, because I was bouncing between projects really quickly, uh, the thing that Tim Francis told me to stop doing, uh, and I said, no, I don't want to, uh, there would be things like, oh, I found out this nice new way of doing animated drop-down menus for the login. And I'm working on five other things right now that I want this included in. And so having this hard-linked template directory where like that's my component for the header for the the menu for the application feels like a pretty good comp compromise of like while i'm in this mindset of okay right now i'm working on clipstar marketing but it's the same menu bar component as in these other three things i'm doing so putting the work in now on clipstar marketing to update that header is simultaneously updating it across for all of the other things uh using this component and i guess it sounds like that's an okay way to do it as long as i'm the only one editing this code <laughs> And I guess I'll figure out a better solution to it when I get there. Uh, and I cut you off. No, that's fine. Uh, yeah, so I do two other things. One is um, I, I started writing down, like, my steps, which sounds mm. basic, but that's what I So, like, uh, the last time I redid my whole, like, template thing, I wrote down all the steps. And so now, like, Rails, the version may change, but Rails' new project name, you know, that yep. command doesn't change very yep. often at all. So I just wrote down all the steps that I did. And... And now I can redo this, those steps and get a brand new, you know, like latest version of everything. Um, so I did that. The other thing is um, like uh, I do something which is not good practice if you're on a team, just like it sounds like you do. But I, I just copy and paste a lot. So like I will like if I change something into project and I'm like, oh, my other four projects should have this too. I'll just copy and paste it four times. Um, it doesn't take that long. And it is better to me. The trade off is better to me than if I make a change and then I have to go test it in four different other projects, yeah. you know, every time, because I can pick and choose exactly what I ha copy and paste. Yeah. Um, so it's a case where I think copy and paste is, is underused. Like, uh, well, at least for me. Um, yeah, I agree. And that's exactly what I was doing before this slightly more complicated hard linking scheme. The problem that copying and pasting, uh, gave me was, so, you know, let's say I have my, my editable text component and uh, I, I built it in project number one. And then I have project number two uh, and I copy and paste editable text into project number two. And then I'm working on project one again and I think, oh, you know what would be great is if I had a props command so that I could toggle this between either a text area or an input, if it's gonna be a single line or multiple lines. And then in project two, I'll come up with something else of like, ah, oh, you know what would be great is if uh, I could push escape or enter and mm. that would save the value. Uh, and if I hit shift enter, then it does an actual new line. Well, now I have enhancement one in project one and I have enhancement two in project two. And I want a way for both projects to have both enhancements. And so that got me into this trap of like, some of those enhancements were sort of incompatible of like, 
yeah. uh, overlapping code. And then I had to, I had to be very consciously thinking. And then if I had a third one, my gosh, now it's, it's just exploded in complexity. Uh, and in doing it, because my work is serial, because there's only one person working on this, uh, this would break if it was working in parallel, but I think there's more complicated solutions to this of like, I guess I would just do it as a separate package and manage it through Git. Um, I'm able to make the changes progressively because they're hard linked. I'm effectively editing the same file. I make enhancement one in project one. And then when I go to project two and I have the idea for the second enhancement, enhancement one is already done. And now the work that I'm doing is like built on top of that. Um, and it, it feels like an, I can be more, I, I can make better use of my time. Like uh, <laughs> not, not having a team, not being able to work in serial is a disadvantage. And I think the advantage of it is I can pull sneaky tricks like this of that all of these base components are actually the same file. Uh, I don't think I, I think I came up with that myself. I don't think I've ever seen anyone else do that. I might this this might be a blog post or a video or something. Yeah, yeah. I think um, I think you're right. It's it's kind of an advantage because you're working by yourself. Um, I think one of the differences is you. It sounds like you ping pong a lot between projects. I tend to like work on one project for three months and then another for three months and mm. another for a week, but I never come back to it and then another for three months. Mm. And so um, it's a little different. I think work style. That's why um, it's a little different. Uh, the other thing is is there's probably someone yelling at their computer right now. As, as soon as soon as you get like add one more person, the right thing to do probably is to maintain a separate Git repository, like you were saying, yeah. of these components. And then you know you can have different branches even for, per project. And if you want to merge them, you can merge them. And mm -hmm. um, that's probably the right way to do it. Uh, but since you know we're just individual d developers, we can yeah pull sneaky tricks like you say. Yeah. <laughs> and. With this current philosophy I have of I want to be outsourcing bottom of Maslow's hierarchy of need first, I think I'll be able to get away with this for a pretty long time. Um, with this mentality of like I'm I'm trying to I'm I'm trying to push myself up higher into doing higher value projects. Development is pretty high value. That's like whatever hundred hundred and fifty dollars an hour. Um, and I enjoy it. Uh, I, I feel pretty justified in continuing to be a one-man show in that respect for a while. Software is kind of funny that way of like, I'm just defining the system. And that's sort of what a business is. As a business owner, you're just defining systems. But an advantage I have here is that I'm defining systems that then run in software. It's a, it's a computer doing the work. Uh, so uh, I, I, I don't feel like I'm going to need to make systems that make systems, which would be hiring developers for a while. Uh, like the, the development side of making a business doesn't feel like it's the difficult part. The difficult part feels like the higher level strategy and figuring out the marketing and figuring out like what should the features be based on who the audience is. Uh, and that's, you know, that's thousand dollar an hour work. Uh, and once you've figured that out, the hundred dollar an hour work of writing the actual software isn't that hard and I enjoy it. I think the biggest gains in my life right now are figuring out how to do as little of the $10 an hour work as possible uh, of, you know, <laughs> bringing in groceries, which this example feels <laughs> ridiculous because it's it, like you said, it's, you know, 20 minutes a week. Uh, but that's, I have a hundred things I'm doing like that, that if I, if I have some yeah. process of being able to solve all of them, we're now talking about significant time and mental energy. Um, cool. Good check-in. Good podcast. And 
feel like I'm uh, got some great ideas. Uh, <laughs> I feel justified that I'm moving in the correct direction. Uh, and I'm very excited to see what the math AI stuff turns into. That's a really good idea that I think you're very well positioned to, to take advantage of. Yeah, uh, I'm excited to see what it turns into, too. I never know when I start on these projects, I never know what they're going to turn into. So it's like an exploration for me also. Yes, it's the most exciting. Uh, <laughs> fuel for our ADD brains. Chris, that's all I got. That's all I got, too. Then I will see you next week. Goodbye.